Hello and welcome to a very special podcast hosted by me, John Elms, International Editor at Broadcast, to coincide with International Women's Day. With me, I have three very well-known female creatives to talk about, about female representation in film and television. Firstly, I have Faye Ward, Creative Director and Producer at TV and Film Outfit Fable Pictures, which she founded with the backing of Sony Pictures Television in 2016. Fable has produced high-profile totals across film and television, including Laurel and Hardy biopic Stan and Ollie, written by Jeff Pope, Wild Rose, starring Jesse Buckley, Julie Walters, and Sophie Oconedo, written by Nicole Taylor and directed by Tom Harper. On the TV side, Fable has recently shot historical psychological thriller Anne Boleyn with Sony and Channel 5. Written by Eve Hedwig-Turner, the miniseries has a star-studded cast headed by Jodie Turner-Smith and is set to be broadcast later this year. Among other TV projects, Fable's slate includes Joan and Jackie, a series about iconic sisters Joan and Jackie Collins, and Mr. Loverman, based on the novel of the same name by Booker Prize winner Bernadine Evaristo. Previously, Ward worked at Ruby Film and Television, where she produced Dancing on the Edge and was also part of the production team of Left Bank Pictures' iconic Netflix series, The Crown. Alongside Faye, we have Hannah Farrell, creative director and executive producer and creative partner at Fable. Hannah joined Fable as creative partner in 2018. And beside the aforementioned projects, Hannah was the exec producer on Anne Boleyn. Hannah began her career in development in 2000 when she joined working title films, working on features such as Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Hannah also worked at Ruby Films, serving as head of development for joining Origin Pictures, where she headed up both the TV and film division with credits including BBC One's The Woman in White and four-part Sky HBO miniseries Catherine the Great, starring Helen Mirren. And last but by no means least, Sarah Gavron is a film and TV director. Her feature debut was Brick Lane, the adaptation of Monica Ali's seminal novel, which earned her a BAFTA nomination and the Alfred Dunhill Talent Award at the London Film Festival. Prior to this, Sarah directed feature-length BBC drama This Little Life for BBC TV, which won her numerous awards, including the TV BAFTA for Best New Director and the Royal Television Society and Women in Film and TV Awards for Best Newcomer. Sarah's feature documentary, The Village at the End of the World, was nominated for the Grierson Award. Sarah followed these up with Suffragette, the 2015 film for Ruby Films, on which she worked with both Faye and Hannah, starring Kerry Mulligan, Helena Bonham Carter, Meryl Streep, Anne-Marie Duff, Brendan Gleeson and Ben Whishaw. Uh, Sarah's latest film, Rocks, for Film 4, which she made with Fable Pictures, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival to rave reviews and recently received 15 BIFA 2020 nominations, including Best British Independent Film and Director. It was also given a worldwide release on Netflix in, in 2020, becoming a really, really big part for the streamer and one of their highest profile titles. Welcome, everyone. I hope you don't mind me saying that that was a, a laundry list of accolades and achievements. How are we all doing? Very good, thanks. Fantastic. I mean, there are numerous places we can start, but I think given the kind of projects that you've both been involved in, in, in including, you know, I think, possibly starting with Suffragette, which you all three of you worked on, something that is really important in TV is representation. 
both on screen and off screen. I just want to get firstly um, all three of your 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 kind of views on the representation of women on screen. How that how has that changed in recent years? Perhaps starting with you, Sarah. Well, it is interesting because I began making films in 2000. And so over the last 20 years, it really has shifted. I, when I remember when I came out of film school that year, female directors were, there was sort of 2% of films directed by women and then it was 6% and then 4%. And that obviously was reflected by representation on camera too. There were less female centric films. And when I was um, growing up as a teenager, the films I was going to see were Terminator, Top Gun, Lethal Weapon, you know, action movies centering around men. Um, and so I was kind of driven by the idea that I wanted to see stories about women. Um, and that made me want to go into film. And then, there were so few role models, um, certainly directing role models, but it was the role models um, that, you know, it was people like Jane Campion and Mira Nair and Sally Potter and um, others who were making films just as I came out of film school who really inspired me um, to forge a career in this, in this way. So it's really changed. I mean, I'll let the others speak, but, you know, we've got a long way to go. But this year, I think, is an extraordinary year for films made by women. Faye or, or Hannah, I, just, to, just, to, just to say, I, I mean, to kind of focus this, Anne Boleyn, your latest project, is, is perhaps a very good, um, you know, mouthpiece for this idea of representation on screen. Anne Boleyn being a historical figure that's been rewritten many times and uh, perhaps use that as a springboard, Hannah, to, to discuss... Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it does feel quite prevalent to talk about um, Anne Boleyn in the context of this, because you know, that was one of the reasons that we really wanted to tell um, Anne Boleyn again in what could arguably be a sort of saturated Tudor market. Um, you know, the things that we're always excited about telling, and I think all three of us can speak about over our careers, is stories that predominantly speak from the female point of view. Um, I think that we felt that Anne Boleyn historically, you know, had been very much the sort of patriarchal view of what, what you know, what we've been told, not just through film and television, but in our history classes and growing up, you know, that it's absolutely the downfall of this woman who was a seductress and a manipulator and all those things that we know. And I think stepping back from that, um, we felt that, you know, no one had told the story of this woman, this great politician, this mother who left an incredible sort of legacy in Elizabeth. And actually to sort of tell the story completely from her point of view, as our Anne Boleyn does, you know, it, essentially she was sort of murdered by her husband, um, which is why we sort of kind of um, walk, find ourselves walking into this sort of psychological thriller side of what happened to her. And I think, you know, breaking down that kind of um, historical view of her, um, you know, from this like white, you know, white um, patriarchal society and, and how we're told um, very much that she was sort of the master of her own downfall. I think we felt excited about, um, yeah, basically re resetting expectations and telling the story from a completely different point of view. And hopefully what we feel is more of a truthful point of view, um, which ultimately was about a woman who felt she could be equal and felt she could really bring something, you know, in her reign with Henry and overstepped the mark and was brought down by a kind of absolute triage of, of the men around her. Um, and that's sort of, I guess, where our sort of starting point for the series was, what if we told this as a completely human story? What if we step back and, and really kind of got under the skin of what it really felt like to be a woman in court in that time? 
and I guess that was our sort of inspiration really make it a really human story about being a mother and a wife mm. yeah I mean just to add to that you know and moving on from Anne Boleyn you know at Fable our whole thing is to is to tell stories from the underdog's perspective to try and break barriers or change people's perceptions on stories that may have been told before or new stories we definitely have a very female lens and that comes from not a place of business it's not like a, an instinct it's not a, a thing of like this is what we're doing because that's what at the minute people want you know in truth um that we we only make projects at fable and it, including with sarah of things we absolutely love that's sort of the only thing we'll really do ever we're not one of those companies that sort of have the, the brain power or the ability to do things just because sort of a slot needs filling and you know the one rocks is a perfect example of how the sort of organic process of um female representation works i think within storytelling you know it came early doors initially from a conversation that we were all having post-suffragette about you know Sarah Gavron's got teenage children Abby Morgan does now and it all came from a conversation of you know we got to meet these incredible humans all around the world incredible feminists and people and young people and when we were talking to and watching these young people talk about suffragette we all started to question you know what it is to be a teenager today all of us are from London, so we sort of had this instinct of actually reflecting back our own our own teenhoods and talking and enjoying about the sort of anxieties of that and how it was. And then in theory, then then sort of then started to think about actually how why don't we see teens portrayed in a in a way that um, isn't about their first sexual experience. And by the way, there's lots of fantastic scope about sexuality and all those things, but really in female teen stories they tend to be about sex and I think we really like the idea of how do we bottle that piece of spirit of young female teenagers and how do we follow a journey which felt like the ordinary girl rather than the extraordinary girl which of course there's a lot of scope for that and that's sort of how we all sort of started to tumble this idea um, as we went to build what became um, our film Rocks, you know, and it was really important to us just to talk about also women of colour on screen and off screen as well. And, um, you know, we are very aware we're three white women and and I think, I think it's okay to say, Sarah, tell me if differently, but, you know, we're conscious aware that we were able to make Rocks because of this incredible collaboration of all these amazing people but I do also think on reflection if it wasn't for us being there I think it would be difficult for that even more difficult for that film to be made because you know we were asking the financiers to do something they hadn't done before in regards to the storytelling process and I think our experience gave them a teeny bit of assurance even though we had to go you know keep battling those doors. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's right. To, to sort of jump off from that, we wanted to use the sort of platform that we had, a relative platform of experience, to open doors and to, for the all these incredible women who stepped up and offered themselves generously. So, um, you know, our initial idea about that was let's, yeah, make a film that centres women, centres young women in their stories in a way that isn't often done and build it with those young women. So let's, from the outset, make it a female creative collaboration. So, you know, the writers, Teresa Coco and Claire Wilson were there right from the outset and through the workshops and our casting team were there and 
and we built it with a whole creative team um, in a very kind of egalitarian way. Perhaps you could say unmale way, I don't know, but um, you know, there are so many models for filmmaking, but we very consciously also recruited women to work on the project behind the scenes, because one of the areas you may have, you know, well, it's arguable how representation is doing on screen, but hopefully it's improving. But it's also very important to look at who the crew is and who's behind the scenes, because they are, you know, the storytellers too. And, and there we wanted to, so we had we 75% female crew. Um, you know, we had it almost entirely female camera teams, which is very rare. And um, we had female boom ops and female heads of department and, and also women from um, communities where possible, that were close to the girls so that it was about kind of joy having a joined up process where it all felt that everybody was connected mm. in a in the way that was true to the story i think mm. what's also important to say is i think about opportunities as well is that um what we're finding you know along the journeys of all of our film and television we're making and they all have have to have a different skill base because of the nature of where you're shooting and things is that the thing that we're, um, Hannah and I in particular at Fable are really trying to break through and Rox was a perfect example of it, is that, um, you know, a lot of people don't think the film and television industry is for them. It's not even a contemplation that they would even have the, the door to open that they could. And I think the element of inclusion and uh, what Sarah and, and the casting team did so incredibly on Rox was they walked into schools into to people who probably wouldn't have wouldn't have gone onto Twitter on a casting call and said, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. I fit that brief. I'll 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 audition to that because they probably wouldn't have been on that Twitter feed and they probably wouldn't have thought it was for them, even if we were asking it was for them. And I think that's what's really important is to sort of breaking through and saying to saying to people directly, would you like to be part of this? Can would you would you contemplate coming on board our team and be part of it and be an essential, authentic element within this? And um, and I think that's really important. And I think we all need to go quite a few further steps actually to to continue that drive in a lot more way because you know the likes of Bookie and Kosa who are the stars of Rocks and D'Angelo and you know the whole team you know if you ask them you know they've all got fledging incredible careers now or, and you know we would have asked them before would they thought there was a place for themselves in film and television they would never have even probably applied but especially mm. this place they were in their life maybe further down into college with a bit more confidence but um and I think that's something that we all probably continually definitely need to be working on mm. yeah I think we've yeah go on Hannah we're just gonna say I know we've spoken a lot about you know that thing of you've got to see it to be it and I think that's a sort of really lovely sort of um ethos that rocks took on not just I guess as we're saying you know hopefully you know director wise writer wise we're coming into a phase where definitely there's still work to do but but things are looking much better and this year hopefully sort of proves that we've made a sort of big step forward but just in terms of you know behind the camera in terms of crews and things like that I think hopefully you know whether our kind of cast and our team on rocks sort of whether it's sort of in front of the camera or behind they were able to see this female team who were you know the camera crew as Sarah said that you're just the technicians of it all as well and being able to sort of see that reflected back at them not just as the storytellers or the actors but also as this sort of these incredible team of creatives I think there's still it just feels like there's a lot of work to do there mm. still.
in terms of you know female female do you, do you think and perhaps using rocks as an example they uh you know I sometimes as you said the you know you want to do stuff you want to see yourself reflected on screen often people want to see themselves reflected on screen do you think the actors really um helped um help their performances by seeing themselves reflected back in the cast and crew you know that that gave them the further encouragement to just be themselves and deliver quite clearly fantastic performances <laughs> Yeah, I think there was an atmosphere of trust. There was an atmosphere of kind of understanding and empathy and everybody was kind of willing each other on and it was supportive and mentoring, um, you know, both ways. And we, I, I certainly, I always say that I learned most on that set, you know, because there are all these young creatives and young cast who were so sort of bold and generous and had so much to offer. And, and yeah, and I think, yeah, absolutely that that, that, that worked. And we have to look at ways to make that work. You know, access is so critical. And we'll have a richer industry. We'll have richer stories. We'll have broader audiences if we broaden the landscape of our films and content. And it will benefit everybody. Um, you know, and there are so many stories to tell. One of the things that Teresa Rococo said when we're making rocks is, Hopefully, you know, let, let this not be just one story coming from teenage girls. You know, there are so many stories coming from teenage girls in those communities. We hope that it sparks a lot of young filmmakers to tell their own stories now um, from all different walks of life, um, because, you know, you don't want to just have it as that one siloed film. Mm. I mean, something you just said, Sarah, is really interesting about broadening audiences. If I couple that with what Faye said about having to get a, a, a project by financiers, convincing financiers, I mean, broad audience suggests multiple, multiple, you know, the, the exactly what a financier wants to hear, but yet you're still had to kind of convince backers, financial backers. And this is something that I've, I've, I've heard a number. Is this still a problem that the, the stories led by female creatives or, or, or people from different ethnicities or different socioeconomic backgrounds are still having to kind of fight a little harder to get a project realised on screen in TV and film? I think that is the case. I mean, as you know, film in particular is difficult to get made at the minute anyway, and TV's having quite a big, quite a boom. Um, I think it comes, a lot of it comes down to many things. I think a question that's, again, definitely needs a hell of a lot more solving is who are our commissioners, who are our, our financiers, and make sure there's a real diversity within that in all, in all ways. I think that's really important. Um, I think, you know, they do have quite a large amount of keys to big decisions, and I think the more those that role of humans are completely diverse, I think will be very helpful. Mm, I think it's also about appetite, isn't it? It's that thing that, and we've, I feel like, just speaking from, from our point of view, probably coming from where, even when we made Suffragette to where we made Rocks and as we continue to make more sort of female-led stories, I feel like that question of appetite was always quite a big thing, you know, the disconnect between, but this is what the audience want, so this is therefore what we're going to make and that's access and, and having that argument from, yes, we love the project, but nobody is going to go and see it. And I feel like that's also been hopefully a big shift over the last couple of years that these films or TV shows that are very female centric, whether it be in front of the camera, behind the camera, just female stories in general have done incredibly well. So I think that in turn, this sort of ripple effect of appetite versus commissioner um, 
point of view and an argument for what feels relevant and what will reach a broad audience is hopefully changing a little bit because of I those think, successes. And also, yeah, sorry, sorry, I was just going to quickly say that also there are, have been a lot of people on those levels doing a lot of work behind the scenes. So you've got um, who we are indebted to. So, you know, you've got film festivals who are doing a lot to get gender parity or at least shine a light on, on women's films and films by people who haven't been at the centre stage. And you've also got, you know, in this country, you've got Reclaim the Frame run by Mia Byers that, that shines a light on women's films. And, um, you know, and I'd say BAFTA's trying to do lots of work Biff is trying to do lots of work, the BFI, you know, Film 4, the BBC, they're all very aware. And, and, and that sort of tracks back, I think, to a big sea change that started with the Me Too movement. I mean, it started before that. There's been a lot of people working for a long time. Women in film and television have been doing great work for years, supporting, mentoring women filmmakers. Um, I often mentor women filmmakers. So there have been, you know, people have been doing, working very hard on this and we are reaping the rewards of that. And, and we are standing on the shoulders of a lot of people who, you know, really early doors were making films and, 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 and ploughing the way for us. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, just to coincide with this, you know, if I take Anne Boleyn and the casting of Jodie Turner-Smith, that was obviously, that rewrites history in a very dramatic way. And it was a conscious decision by Yufei and, and Hannah to, to make that decision to cast um, a black woman as Anne Boleyn. You know, are, are those kind of, those kind of complete like ruptures of what is what is known and what is prescribed and what is accepted beforehand important to kind of show that 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 creates change in the industry and and then it's it's, it's almost like a galvanizer it's also we we want to change things and we want to adapt to make the world a richer space with richer stories i think the answer fundamentally is yes i think you know, we do everything inherently based on story. And as Hannah was talking about Anne Boleyn, you know, we wanted to reset people's perception of their, of their Anne Boleyn story they think they know. And uh, when the idea came for Jodie to, you know, lucky, you know, dream casting for Jodie to play Anne, you know, she does, has all those attributes you see her as on the poster as Anne Boleyn and you're immediately will perceive you'll go wow this maybe is not the Anne Boleyn I've seen before and it was about resetting Anne's story and um thinking about it maybe in a, in a different way you know and also Jodie as a human you know she's one a phenomenal actress you know we adored her in Queen and Slim and had wanted to work with her ever since then and then uh, you know we read her wonderful piece in the in Vogue at the beginning of the pandemic about um, home birth and systematic racism within the um, American um, medical system and we just thought she sort of had a look you know the politics and the motherhood and all of those attributes and I think we think about all those things when casting our our um, stories essentially. Mm, mm. We've talked about the situation changing and moving the dial for diversity not just female representation but diversity in general what do you feel as, as, as people, you know, at the sharp end of this, working in the industry day to day, seeing the kind of barriers that you, you yourself have faced and other people have, may have faced as well? You know, what do you feel other than TV commissioners, perhaps, as you mentioned, Faye, do you feel that, that needs to be done to, to kind of move the dial further and really make this a meaningful change as opposed to lip service or anything like that? 
Sarah, perhaps you want to start this. Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, uh, the experience of making um, rocks was a good place to think about all this because, um, it, you know, it, I think it, had, it had needs to be multifaceted and it needs to be sustained, as you say, and we need to not take our foot off the pedal or sort of become complacent that it's all shifting. Obviously, you know, um, the fact that there are all these women like Chloe Zhao, like Ava DuVernay, Amara Sante, you know, uh, I could carry on naming all those sort of inspiring women. The fact that there's been Mrs. America all based on politics and women, a whole series, which in the dream, you know, I mean, it's it's been such a rich year for um, female-centric stories, St. Maud, I mean, it could carry on. So I feel that all that will help massively, but behind the scenes, we all have responsibility, I think everybody in the industry, to keep working on it. I think one, it's very useful to mentor people. Um, two, we need to be very active in going out, you know, whether it's going to schools and talking to young women, people from different communities, people from different walks of life about what, what roles there are in film, what how you get into film, how you put in an application, how you could make a short film in your bedroom, how you could enter it for a film festival, you know, things that you won't necessarily know unless you were surrounded by a sort of filmy culture or had the, you know, the networks in place, which has always been traditionally the way people got into film. Not always, but a lot of the time is through established networks. So it's about breaking those. Um, and if we put in that work and if we put in the support structures and also, you know, promoting people who haven't had an opportunity to be promoted, putting um, people on boards of film festivals, of organisations, you know, training people up and putting the work in to train people up, not just saying, oh, well, we didn't have any applications, you know, going out and seeking those applications. Um, and there are schemes and, you know, and I come across them a lot. Uh, you know, the BFI does a great scheme with young people who wouldn't normally have access to support them through making films. And so there are schemes out there but we need a lot more of them and we need a lot more energy put into them we need to sustain that mm. hannah perhaps you want to um, no, i think mean, i think sort of just riffing off what sarah's saying really i think as we all know you know the work is never done um and we need to sort of continue that in in every way that sarah's talking about and i think also like i say sort of I think resetting expectations of what that broader audience want, you know, and I think, you know, I feel like there has been a sea change in that and that feels very exciting and that's meant lots more opportunities, but we have to sort of keep, we have to keep pushing. And I think the access thing is a really good question because I think that's the hardest thing to break down in a way. Um, so we all have to just um, be very mindful to keep working, I think, and working hard on that. Just to pick up on that, something that I thought was, interesting in this context that you know about three four years ago now we had this monumental situation of the me too movement uh, you know i mean awful awful what it stemmed from but extremely important to what the future should be and it felt like we, we were turning a corner for female representation but what's your perception of how far the world has changed since 2017 since that kind of that that rupture in the industry and what stage we're at and where we still need to be i i definitely feel that it was as you describe it a rupture and it's interesting how sometimes you need those dramatic ruptures i mean it was it was terrible it was devastating and 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 sort of disturbing and awful but i think what people harnessed out of it. And, um, you know, we're, I feel really indebted to those women who came out and spoke out and their bravery and their boldness. And then the women who took, took on the task of changing things by setting up the Time's Up movement. 
And, you know, they've done a lot of great groundwork and challenged people in ways that needed challenging, not just in the film industry and in lots of industries, but it's really, really affected change, I think. I, I definitely feel more comfortable without realising that I didn't feel comfortable before. You know, I suddenly realised I felt more comfortable in rooms talking about female-centric stories and less need to justify myself and less need to justify why we wanted to work with a team of women and why we didn't, you know, want to have main male characters in, our, in this, those stories. Suddenly I didn't feel I needed to sort of endlessly pitch to that effect so I think we're all we've all got a lot to be thankful for for that yeah and I think just to I completely and utterly agree with, with with Sarah and and just to go back to what I said briefly a bit before it wasn't just sort of tv commissioners that I was referring to I just feel like all people of power and I think that's what me too did as well it re-highlighted that the people of power that were being that were surrounding people were of a certain tone and that I think that has highlighted that that needs to change and it's starting to change as well and of course behavior of course has changed and even mental health you know I feel like in the film and television industry it's very stressful like a lot of jobs um and I think the, the mental health is a big part of that conversation don't get me wrong it's definitely not been solved but um, I feel like there's a lot more conscious behaviour and support and safeguarding. And I think that's all that stuff is beyond essential and we're all behind on it and we're all trying to get up to speed on it. And there's just a lot of work still to be done. Mm. Film and TV Charity, by the way, sorry, is another, another organisation that's doing a lot of work around that that's very useful. Yeah. And, and also another thing, raising films, you know, which is supporting women who are carers in various capacities. And you just wouldn't have you know, that would have been sort of an anomaly um, years ago. And now, you know, it's great that they exist and everybody embraces that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you've, you've both picked up a really interesting points about the things outside the immediate process of making TV about, you know, mental health and the toll it takes on, on working hard, especially in a pandemic. And also the other things such as, as caring and, and motherhood for, for female creatives. You know, what, what other things are the other things that, that aren't really taken into account when, when making, making a TV program or a film, you know, that, that need to be addressed to allow this to be what it it should be, which is a, 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 an enjoyable and entertaining process. Well, I think, I'm just sort of riffing off that, I think, um, you know, I do remember a time when it was sort of quite alien, I think, to sort of have um, a job as we all do and juggle that with family and whether that means sort of working part-time, which isn't really part-time, it just means you say you're part-time, but you're actually working your seven days in three or whatever it is. There was a time when that was that was a lot or, or people just wouldn't ask for it or and dead people wouldn't give it, you know, and it was a very difficult conversation. And I feel even a sea change over the last sort of three or four years, I don't know if everyone else would agree, that that just that idea of being flexible, being able to do a multitude of things, being able to juggle all those things and it not just being a divide of like, oh, you've sort of you're now a mother and you have children and you know I feel like that it's still a little bit of a hurdle probably quite a big hurdle to be honest still but there is definitely a change and I think a big part of what we would like to carry on doing what we have been trying to do is just sort of working out how how we can help that for what we do in our jobs but just across the board you know how can we help facilitate um, a better working environment for women in in all ways 
you know, protecting women, meeting all those things, but also motherhood, life, the juggle. And I do think that that is changing, hopefully, but not not quick enough. Yeah, and, and just on a very simplistic level, you know, we are, well, Hannah and I are producers and we're essentially people of some tiny bit of power to change things. And, you know, on our films, on television pieces, if I, um, I'll look down our unit list and of course, we will have tried uh, and done everything we can to make sure we've got a 50-50 split on, on, on crew and cast, supporting artists. But, you know, I will, particularly in departments that don't normally have women, grip departments, sound departments, I will call those women that I wouldn't normally have spoke to at that early stage in the process and said, you know, I'm really pleased that you're on board with us. I'm glad that you're a part of our team. Find out a little bit about them, in particular on Stan and Ollie. I remember there was an amazing camera assistant who, in fact, actually was on Anne Boleyn. And I found out she was a single mum. And I said to her, um, I don't want you ever, I don't want you to quit your job because you can't cope at any point. And not suggest she wasn't suggesting she couldn't cope, by the way. And I was saying, if you've got a problem, I need just call me about it first. Don't worry, don't stress about it. Don't, you know, don't keep all that stress and anxiety to yourself call us and we'll solve it so of course we can't solve everything in the world but and a very really minutiae and I think just calling people sometimes to say you know we're here we're not weird monster ogres you know give us a buzz if there's any problem I think makes quite a large difference to people and support when they're doing a 15 hour day for you and things mm. do you think as as Hannah mentioned that it's still a long way to go that reflects the people in in power who don't perhaps have the sensitivities to those those kind of things it essentially more men in positions of power who are aren't seeing it through that prism yeah no there's still and, and yeah diversity a massive way to go i mean you know a huge huge way to go and you know this summer was another kind of shock in a good way i mean it was a horrible horrible spark through george floyd's death and the black lives matter movement but again it was a great wake-up call to all sorts of people to everybody looked again at their own institutions you know i mean obviously perhaps not everybody did and people need to keep um pushing everybody to do that but we've all got responsibility to look again at uh, around us and see where we can change that and work to change that imbalance if I look at some of the projects that you've made and are making, Rocks and Anne Boleyn is putting those stories of representing struggle and diversity human stories on screen is, is, a, is a very good medium for to try and affect change. Yeah, I mean, if you can tell stories that really impact people, all people, uh, bring tears to their eyes, make them laugh, make them see themselves in those characters. I think that's our main mission is to, to entertain and to tell stories that we fundamentally enjoy in the hope that lots of others will enjoy too. And it'll have an impact. You know, we had a, uh, a call yesterday on rocks or a Zoom, should I say. And it was with a, you know, a man in his forties who just watched what rocks. And it immediately made him call his nan and he's pretty, he was laughing with us because he's pretty much his nan had a similar conversation with that our lead character has with her nan. Everything about it, he said, he sort of, he cried in the moments of watching the film and then he nearly cried when he was on the phone to his nan because it just really felt like it connected to him. And, you know, theoretically that film, you know, if there was some kind of weird demographic, he wouldn't be fitting in it, but, you know, it did and he loved it. And I think 
I think storytelling as ever as in history has been the power of everything and we'll just continue to do that as much as possible and hopefully entertain as well. Mm. Is it a case of mixing the kind of uh, known stories such as Anne Boleyn with the ordinary quote-unquote stories of the characters in Roche. Mm. Yes, that's true. I mean, we, we once played a game when we were like promoting Suffragette and spending long hours in cars and, and Abby was with us, Abby Morgan, the writer of, you know, if you went back through history and looked at every famous man um, and then looked at it through the prism of what the women around them were doing, you know, you could tell some incredible stories that haven't been told. You know, I, I, as Faye said, you know, we love telling stories that haven't been told before just because it's exciting and you, there are so many of them that are out there that need, well, not need to be told, but should be told and it's exciting to see them, yeah. Mm. Picking up on that, what kind of response do you feel or, or, or feelings do you feel when, when you make a decision to retell a story or tell it from a different perspective, then reactions to that are, well, that didn't happen or well, you can't do this because it's already, it's history. You can't have a black actor playing Anne Boleyn. What kind of, what kind of feelings does that evoke? And what kind of response would you, would you set, give to the, those, those people who are putting up an instant barrier from your decision-making? I, I think, you know, as Sarah was saying, we get excited about telling the sort of untold story or, you know, a big part of um, all the stories we tell at Fable is sort of re- trying to reset expectations, <sighs> looking at things from a different point of view. If we can add a little bit of something to a conversation that makes things, you know, people look at things in a slightly different way, I think we feel like we would have, have done our jobs and what, what we set out to do. And that can be political with a big P, like something like Suffragette, or it can be something with a little P that's sort of hidden in the fabric. And of course, in doing those things, I, I think all through us, there's always going to be something that is provocative in that because you are trying to reset expectations, you're trying to show a different point of view that has been so ingrained in our culture for so long so I think you know actually if it can ignite or excite a conversation in some way or at least get people talking about something hopefully for the positive then then that's a good thing and I think that's also a big part of storytelling isn't it that you can you you know as filmmakers or or storytellers television makers you know it's our sort of responsibility in a way to mm. provoke if that's the right word or at least sort of ignite something in someone's better I, f- I feel like we all feel like if we can make things that somehow spark something in someone's belly that you can get a little bit fiery about or want to know more about or kind of step back from what you might have thought even if it's to sort of try and defend it then then we would have hopefully done done a little bit of what we set out to do. I also think the audiences are really sophisticated and really up for it and, and, you know, completely across hybrid genres and genre-defying things and breaking the mould with casting. And, you know, they're up for it. And we, you know, we shouldn't underestimate that. And they want to be challenged. Have the streamers kind of reacted more to audience, changing audience tastes so that they are more likely to put these these stories on screen albeit Anne Boleyn is with Channel 5 how much of the stream has helped in kind of accepting the sophistication of audiences and the wishes of audiences in in wanting to see different stories and retellings of stories yeah well I guess it's also to do with the amount of space to play in uh, I sort of feel like with the streamers coming on and that sort of accessibility that space to play it's having a a kind of roll-on effect to go well actually people want that or people want that or actually audiences are really excited about that so therefore we'll do that and I I think mm-hmm. it's this sort of rolling change that 
has been really exciting. I think really exciting as storytellers that actually there's just more appetite, more space to play in and finding the right outlets for the right things and not all trying to sort of fight for one particular space at one particular place. And I think it's had a, I think it's had a huge effect. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, we could continue. I could continue talking for ages on this, but we've already been speaking for 40 minutes. And you wouldn't even believe it. Um, before, before I go, do you guys have a project? Do you have a project that you really want to get your teeth into that absolutely fit into the conversation that we've just been having? Uh, I'm not sure there's anything we can actually talk about. Oh, no. no. <laughs> well, the tantalise you, Sarah, has been... Um, how we work with Sarah is... Sarah has like a bag of ideas and they evolve as they go over time. And normally those bag of ideas will, will go on a, a long years of journey. Like we'll talk about them while we were doing rocks or whatever. And some stick and some don't. And some we will get a researcher to investigate and to see if they're going to stick more. And there's one in particular. Well, there's a few, but there's one at the minute that is, you know, it's got more than a baby flame underneath it that we're just working on at the second. And then but Hannah and I have got obviously lots of other fable bits that are in the ether and we can't announce yet, but, but soon we can. Well, that is a very good tantalising <laughs> nugget that you've just dropped there. Thank you so much, Faye, Sarah and Hannah for joining me on this podcast. It's been great chatting to you. I would love to have continued more. Hopefully we can do so in the future. But thanks once again for doing this and have a wonderful day. Great. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks John. John.